0: What's up, fanboys and fangirls? Welcome to episode number 35 of the Review Point Podcast, coming to you from fanboysanonymous.com. I am your host, Tony Mango, and today I am going to be talking about the hits and the misses of the film Suicide Squad. I just got done watching that movie, just pumped out that Minuteman review. Go ahead and check that out if you want a spoiler-free version of this, because, by the way, this is going to have some spoilers in there, so just forewarned when it comes to that. But uh, what is Suicide Squad? Well, Suicide Squad is the third and latest entry in the DCEU, which, by the way, random aside, can we all just agree that that's such a stupid title for these films connecting together? I mean, I know that they don't want to call it the cinematic universe because it copies Marvel too much, but extended universe? What is an extension of the comics? Everything's an extension of the comics. The TV stuff? Well, you don't have a connection to the TV stuff either, so... I just think it's stupid, Random aside, pushed off, you know, whatever. So, uh, Suicide Squad, that is a property that is a very weird way to kind of introduce a lot of the elements that you needed to introduce. I mean, this is only the third film, so all we've had to set up this entire universe so far is Man of Steel, which only really set up the beginnings of Superman, not too much else, then we had Batman v Superman, which... Had a lot of different flaws to it, and I'm just going to say the same thing I've been saying for a while now. The Ultimate Edition, far superior, much better movie, and actually a good, good movie. Still has some issues with it, and we're going to get into that a little bit later on because that's going to kind of parallel what's happening here with Suicide Squad, but Suicide Squad here did a lot of legwork for a lot of different things because we're introduced to characters that have already had their backstory, and they're introduced to the audience as just hey, this is Deadshot, this is Killer Croc, this is whatever. You gotta take the assumption that Batman took them all down other than maybe one character, two, maybe, you know, a couple of things here and there. But um, this was a movie that really was dependent upon either people watching the film because they're used to the source material or that they have friends that can explain a lot of the source material to them. You can tell... That they went into this movie going, you know what, not many people are going to know anything about Katana, not many people are going to know anything about Captain Boomerang, but eh, they probably got a friend next to them that'll explain some of this shit, right? So that's a little bit bothersome, but at the same time, for somebody like myself, who knows a lot about these characters, I sort of also kind of appreciate them just getting right into it. So I can see both sides of the argument here. And uh, if we're talking arguments, let's address something real quick. The petition of Rotten Tomatoes to get them taken down is absolutely ridiculous. Now, I will spoil a little bit of a lead here. I think that Suicide Squad is both good and bad, so I'm kind of in the middle of the argument, but I think that this is just something that's showing a bit of, I don't want to say necessarily naivete or something, but, you know, ignorance maybe too on the part of the fans that are bitching about this, because yes, there has been a pretty solid anti-DC malaise that's been popping up around these movies with critics, but that's not because there's some kind of conspiracy behind this. First off, Rotten Tomatoes they're not going to care one bit what movie gets what rating. They only want clicks. So they have no stake in this whatsoever. And in fact, this is only helping them out because now people are going to there. Rotten Tomatoes is not at fault for anything whatsoever. They're just an aggregator. Second, critics don't care about the opinion of that either because critics are supposed to be giving their honest opinion, which is exactly what I'm going to be giving today too. So If you disagree with something that a critic has to say, put out your own thing. I mean, you know, it doesn't take that much effort to start up a YouTube channel or start up a blog and to just get your own opinion out there if you think that that's worth more. Or you can kind of take the more adult approach and just assume that maybe because somebody doesn't like something that you like, you don't have to listen to what they have to say. I mean, I am a big fan of pepperoni pizza. Some people like olives on their pizza I think that that's absolutely disgusting now definitively is a pepperoni pizza better than an olive one I'll tell you that it is I'll tell you that it's more popular and that it tastes better and so on and so forth but if somebody likes olives on their pizza go ahead and eat some fucking olives I don't give a shit you know what I mean so if you really really love Suicide Squad and the critics are giving it some bad rep put something out there saying why they're wrong and for the same thing for here, if you disagree with what I have to say here, leave a comment below. Tell me what you liked about it that I didn't like. Or, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, if I like something that you didn't like, leave a comment and tell me why. Um, That's something that it can be done in a more cordial way and it can be done in a more adult way because in the end, it's opinions. So, uh, you know, whatever side of the fence that you're on, just file that in the back of your brain. You know, whatever. So let's get into the hits and the misses specifically about this movie. Now, one of the major hits that I think is a big positive about this is that the basic premise of it is pretty interesting. What do you do when you get bad people and you have to rely on them to take down worse people? It's that whole, the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of a thing. And we've seen the Suicide Squad work in a lot of different capacities. It's been interesting on Arrow before Arrow turned into a Piece of shit show. It was good in the comics. It was interesting on the Justice League Unlimited show, which that had Deadshot and a couple other characters in there too. It's something that's pretty cool, and I think that the basic idea of let's do a movie about this really cool. Now, a miss behind that is it shouldn't have been the third movie. I mean, we literally this is what we had so far in our uh, DCEU. We had Superman who they continually kept referring to as not quite Superman yet. And then we had Batman who hated Superman and has been Batman for 20 years. And we just haven't seen any of this, not quite being Batman because he's killing people. And then we're going to go right into the villains again. So, it seems like they are really stuck on this idea that they just they care more about the dark, gritty villain stuff, and you can't approach a cinematic universe in that kind of a way because it's built on heroes. The comic books, the cartoons, all that, have never been about the anti-heroes. They've been about the heroes. Now, you can pepper in anti-heroes here and there, And you can do one-off specials and you can do things like that that showcase those characters, but only after you've already set up the universe and only after you've already set up the stakes of what our other characters are and the difference between somebody like a Batman and somebody like a Deadshot. Because by now, I mean, we're looking at this movie, who's that much worse than some of the other characters? Batman's a brutal killer in this universe, which is just absolutely fucking stupid. I don't know why they let that go. And Superman is a killer. He killed General Zod. So why are they any better, any worse or whatever than somebody like El Diablo? You know, it's it's tough to rationalize it. Now, they do, of course, show you why, but you have to do so much more legwork than you really should have. And this is kind of the issue with that whole Sinister Six movie that they were going to do with Sony and the Spider-Man universe that they were going to try to build. You can't do a Sinister Six movie. They're villains. Suicide Squad, they are villains that are more moved into the heroic side of things. But Sinister Six, flat out villains. Thunderbolts is eventually what's going to happen with Marvel. And I think that they're going to get Suicide Squad better than Suicide Squad got it. Because as much as the basic premise works, one of the problems with this movie is if you don't set up the universe correctly, the basic premise doesn't make much sense. Now, they had to do a lot of setup for this at the beginning of the movie by just kind of telling us what's going to happen and then just doing it, which, again, this is another issue of the film, and this is going to be the biggest thing that I talk about probably throughout this entire review, which is the problem with Batman v Superman, the editing and the pacing. We... Saw a version of Batman v Superman in the theaters that is nowhere near as good as the Ultimate Edition. And the reason why it's not as good isn't because in the Ultimate Edition, Batman doesn't kill people, because he does. Still a big problem. It's not that Superman isn't more dour or anything else like that. It's that it sets things up properly and it works just as a better movie. This has the same problem. You can tell even just by checking out the trailers and watching this movie and not thinking that hard about it, that they deleted and moved things around and took scenes out and really just hacked this movie to pieces. I mean, uh, one shot of this movie that we've been seeing a lot is the Joker slapping who apparently is Ike Barinholtz and saying, I can't wait to show you all my toys. We don't get to see that in this movie. We get the scene in the movie, but we don't get that line, which kind of makes you question, Why did they delete that line? It's five seconds? And they thought that that would help the pacing that much, I guess? So if they're stepping in and they're removing five seconds here, ten seconds there, it's micromanaging. And I guarantee this is not the movie that David Ayer... Is it Ayer or Ayer? I think it's Ayer. I don't know. Good old David A. (laughs) Uh, The movie that he wanted to make, I guarantee this is not the movie that this is the cut-down-for-TV version of the film, essentially. And that's going to hurt it. And the stupidest thing about that is if that's the case, they should have learned their goddamn lesson from Batman v Superman because everybody that criticized Batman v Superman were criticizing that as the major flaw of the film. So when they're working on Wonder Woman here, Patty Jenkins, I can almost guarantee right off the bat, is going to have a better version of this movie in the bag before they start editing it, and hopefully Jeff Johns and all the other people that are in charge are going to look at that and go, you know, we tried this twice and it's not working. We should let the filmmakers try to make their own stuff. Uh, one of the issues with the pacing in the movie and the editing, that right off the bat I was sitting there going, oh man, this is not a good sign. They show you to start off. Here's the squad. And it takes about a good maybe 10 minutes. It felt like 10, maybe 15, maybe even 20. I don't know for sure. Where they go, here's Deadshot, here's Killer Croc, here's Harley Quinn, and so on and so forth. Totally necessary. You need to do that because, again, they didn't have any of these people set up ahead of time. And even though somebody like myself, you can go, Deadshot's in this movie, and I can go, okay, Floyd Lawton, he's a skilled marksman, he can whatever. Most people aren't going to know that. So they set up these characters And it's like, here's the squad. Next scene, basically, uh uh-oh, we need the squad. Really? Like, that quick? You're not going to have any downtime. You're not going to have the whole, let's put this on the back burner, and then we've ran through these options and that kind of stuff. It just happens to be, we're going to set up the squad, and then here's the squad. I think if they were going that route, you could have assembled the squad after the incident happened, and then it would have felt a little bit more rushed, so it felt rushed not being rushed, when it could have been rushed if he wanted it to be rushed, you know, it's the kind of thing where the movie itself rushed it, yet the time that it takes place in the universe is not rushed, which is very, very awkward. But since we want to talk about characters and stuff like that, let's push the editing off to the side and let's talk about characters. Now, let's talk about a major, major hit in the movie, Deadshot. Uh, Will Smith brings a little bit of Will Smith charm to the Deadshot character, which livens him up a little bit more. Deadshot has never really been the, uh, I guess I could say, the most liveliest character of the bunch. Uh, He's a really cool character in a lot of ways, but he's also pretty one-note a lot of the time. And I love that they incorporated the backstory of the daughter and they kind of humanized him a little bit more and stuff. I actually really, really loved Deadshot in this movie because he's somebody who straddles that line between being good and bad. Clearly a bad guy. you know, Contract killer, assassin, even wants to kill Batman, all that other kind of stuff. But you can kind of see where he's coming from a little bit too. And he's sort of that that middle gray area where... If anybody was going to turn good in the movie, clearly it was going to be Deadshot and stuff. So I think that Will Smith carried a lot of the weight of this movie because he's somebody that we could connect with a little bit. Another person that was very surprisingly good was El Diablo. Now, I thought that he was going to be one of the worst parts of the movie, that I was going to hate the character, that he was going to be just this uh, gangbanger type of brute and is any cool because he's got the tattoos and the firepower. I thought that was going to be it, but they gave him actually a pretty decent backstory of him being the one of the group that hates himself the most out of the bunch. And he's had his issues in the past. He's gone through it. He's killed people and all that. And now he's kind of trying to reform a little bit. So by the time that his character kind of started hitting the ground running, actually I liked him quite a bit. And I was not actually that familiar with El Diablo ahead of time. So for them to incorporate him into here and for him to be somebody that was actually a pretty interesting character, I kind of would like to see his character used in a little bit more medium, maybe like a guest appearance on that Justice League action or maybe something more into the comics, something like that, I don't know, but clearly he's gone for the universe now, he sacrificed himself. Good sacrifice, because there should have been at least one self-sacrifice in this movie, right? So that ended up actually being quite a bit of a surprise for a hit for me. I assumed that this was going to be a shitty character and a guaranteed miss, but, you know, thumbs up when it came to El Diablo. Uh, Amanda Waller, another really solid hit. Uh, Viola Davis just nailed the character down. She's perfect for the character. She's this unrelenting bitch, basically, (laughs) even though you know that she's got the right idea in her mind and that all that she's doing is for the betterment of humankind itself and sometimes the bad choices have to be made and all that other kind of stuff you still have to hate amanda waller that's her character she's like the epitome of kind of the opposite of lex Luthor. lex is a character who you're not supposed to like, but you should identify with. And with Amanda Waller, you're not supposed to like her and you should identify with her as well, but the one of them's positive, the one of them's negative. Which, by the way, side note, Miss, no Lex Luthor, he should have made some kind of an appearance somewhere. Now, another positive is that we did get appearances from both The Flash and Batman. Flash was cool because he just kind of did his job, took down Digger Harkness, and Batman is just being Batman. Batman's so fucking awesome, isn't he? So anytime that you see Batman doing Batman stuff where he's popping up out of the blue and taking down Deadshot, and he's tracking down Harley Quinn and the Joker and that one shot where Harley Quinn's about to drown and he just kind of just bops her in the face real quick. That's what Batman would do. But then of course he's going to try to save her life. And you know, that is Batman. So they've got Batman down other than the new killing thing. But uh, that was another big positive, Batman and Flash, even though the negative of no Lex Luthor, and no, Le- for that matter, no Lex Luthor played by a different character actor other than somebody who was Jesse Eisenberg, because I still think that. Somebody like a Jude Law would have killed that role. But um, nonetheless, we got Amanda Waller is a big hit. El is a hit. Batman and Flash are hits. Deadshot is a hit. Know, let's just talk about a negative while we're at this, just to kind of start to balance the scale a little bit. Slipknot, I don't know if this is an instance where it's the editing that did the character an Injustice, or I don't know, I mean, I can't even say an Injustice, because it's Slipknot, who the fuck cares about Slipknot, which is exactly what is kind of my point, nobody gave a shit about this character, because he's a nobody, even more of a nobody than El Diablo, and you throw in this element of the explosive implant you know it's going to show off at some point and it's almost kind of insulting to the audience to think that we didn't know for sure that Slipknot was going to be the character that was going to get his head blown off they didn't even try in this movie to make it seem like it could have been somebody else they literally introduce him just in the last minute of just kind of being like oh yeah uh, and this is another guy on your team Slipknot he climbs things good with ropes I don't give a shit about that character then. So when they start teasing the idea that they're going to blow their heads off, it's like, I wonder if it's going to be the guy that we haven't seen in the trailers and stuff. Really piss poor job when it came to keeping any kind of suspense to that. And you know what? Another negative I have to say here, and this is going to tie into kind of a positive, kind of a ricochet, like in that middle range, not quite a hit, not quite a miss, is Katana katana's look i think uh they had the mask right i still i kind of understand the point of view of the people that are complaining and saying why does she need to have like a sexier outfit because she doesn't need to be sexier but she's hot so i kind of appreciated that too um but they did the same thing with katana as they did with slipknot where they were like oh and uh here's katana everyone hey everybody here's another person on your team no setup whatsoever didn't even try. It's like they, they couldn't figure out a way to introduce her ahead of time. And now the ball is rolling and we just need to throw her in there. So also there's Katana, which is just a shitty way of doing that. So uh I think that her character is pretty basic enough that they got her down. I mean, they got the sword correct. So that's about it that you need for Katana. And I'm glad that they didn't kill her because they could maybe use her later on for like a Birds of Prey kind of a thing or something like that. So that'd be kind of cool. But the introduction of her character, just very, very poor. Uh, let's see. We have, uh, let's go uh, with another couple of negatives here just to get them out of the way. Rick Flagg was very one note and he felt kind of um, wooden, kind of hollow. He's generic army guy who happens to have a crush on one of the characters and he's, you know, he's porking uh, June Moon. That's all you need to know. He doesn't have much of an actual like story to him. He doesn't really have all that much depth. If you could describe his character traits, it would be military and that's it. So he's not really that much different from the nameless people that are a part of the military squad like GQ. You got Scott Eastwood in there, who is not the best actor in the world, but he's a good-looking guy and stuff like that, and you're going to use him as GQ, just a random extra dude? That's kind of annoying. And we had a couple other characters like that, too. I mean, Common. He's... What the hell is he supposed to be in this movie? He talks to the Joker and gets his head blown off, and that's it? Why even bother at that point? Why not just cast a nobody or something? So, I don't know. I I dislike that kind of parts about this film. Ike Barinholtz, I think, was kind of a a middle-range because I wanted him to be somebody more, because he's a talented guy, but he's also sort of responsible for keeping a little levity in there, so I don't know, I mean, I can't say I hated him, can't say I loved him, he's not a hit, not a miss, whatever. But he kind of exposes another issue that this movie has, which is the tone. It's very disjointed. It's got that serious side of things, and it's got the lighthearted side of things too, and sometimes they clash. And you can tell, that this was a movie where they wanted to make it darker but they didn't want to go too dark and you can also tell somebody watched Guardians of the Galaxy because this is so influenced by Guardians it's not even funny and it's if i would hear from David Ayer and from the other people that they didn't take some kind of an influence from Guardians I'd have to laugh right at their face because it's clearly obvious that they did. I mean, the use of the songs that are in this movie and that kind of like, well, we're a scrappy bunch of losers that are all going to get together and we're going to take down a bad guy kind of a thing. It's Guardians of the Galaxy, just not done as well because you don't care about the characters as much as you do, which is kind of a shame. Now, the serious parts of this were better in some ways than the comedic ones. Now, the comedic ones were better in some ways than the serious ones, and I'm not going to break down every single part of the movie because that'll just take down forever, but when I was supposed to laugh, for the most part I laughed, when I was supposed to take things seriously and get worried, I didn't really as much, so I think that they need to kind of work on their, their issues when it comes to the tone going forward, and something like Wonder Woman shouldn't really be all that jokey. Now, there should be some jokes here and there, you know, Justice League, gotta have a little bit of jokes here and there with the Flash and such, but I don't want to see Batman making quips back and forth, I don't want to see Wonder Woman getting into, you know, rock music playing in the middle of it, none of that kind of stuff, they can't start fucking around with that, and one of the reasons that I would want to point this out is the pink unicorn with Captain Boomerang. Captain Boomerang, for the most part, was pretty solid, and Jai Courtney is not somebody who I love patting on the back all that much, because I think that he... He, he doesn't quite have it as much as a lot of people would want him to be but the pink unicorn was just a cheap laugh and I don't know I mean I it's it's better than if you would've just gone with him farting all over the place or something like that but you can tell somebody thought that it would be funny to have that kind of disparity of well this guy's a, a real bad guy and he likes pink unicorns and uh, isn't that funny because that's something a little girl should like cheap It's the best way to explain it. It's cheap. Uh, Let's go with another middle range one before we get into one of the big things here. There's two real, real big things on the positive and the negative that I wanted to talk about. So let's just get this other last one that's in the middle out of the way, which is Killer Croc. Uh, It's hard to do Killer Croc, I'm sure, because he's a fucking crocodile guy. And I never would have expected him to be in a Batman movie because he's somebody who you can't build a whole movie around. But I liked Killer Croc for the most part here. He was basically Killer Croc. I like how they went with the whole fucked up skin tone sort of thing as opposed to him being a literal crocodile man. Because I never liked that interpretation of the character. But for him to have like a, a skin issues and stuff like that, that's much better. What I don't like is why is he like a thug that's watching BET and calling Harley Quinn shorty and all this other kind of stuff? I don't know. It felt a little bit weird to me. It sort of, I don't want to throw random shade on this, but kind of felt like because they cast a black man, they kind of wanted to make him just like a black stereotype in certain ways. And killer croc doesn't have to be a stereotype. Like he could have just been a dude. So the BET thing. Yeah. It got a laugh. And I don't know if that's really the right laugh it should have gotten. (laughs) So that's sort of a, a middle ground there too. But let's talk about a positive. We've been talking about a lot of negatives here. Let's talk about a huge, huge positive here. Harley Quinn. Margot Robbie nails that character. I mean, she is as good of a Harley Quinn as I think anybody ever could have asked for. She's got the accent down in a lot of different scenes. She's beautiful. So, you know, you kind of sympathize with her being this this warped beauty of a character. You can tell that she just is head over heels about the Joker and the Joker too. I mean, uh, I would say good 80% of the Joker was fantastic. I don't like how he's a Mexican drug cartel Lord. Basically. (laughs) That was a weird, weird choice. I still think the tattoos are dumb as all hell. And I don't like that whatsoever. I don't like the grill. I don't like the slick back hair as much as him having, a little bit spikier of a hairdo or something like that, but I did really, really like the Joker and Harley Quinn in this movie. I love how they did that little reference to Mad Love with them dancing. I like how their characters were essentially the characters from the comics and stuff, which is a good way to take things going forward. I'm really excited to see what they do with them in the future, because big, big, big hits for the most part, for me, with this. Especially Harley Quinn. Margot Robbie steals the show with this movie, without a doubt. She's the star. Positive uh, when we talk about them leads us into a negative. Enchantress. Uh, I don't want to blame this too much on copying the Marvel side of things, but I have to call attention to one thing. If you criticize Marvel for not having the most in-depth villains... You gotta criticize DC for having that too, because her uh, brother in this is essentially the destroyer from Thor, but somehow has less character than that, and that's just like an android. He's got a bunch of mindless, faceless people that they're fighting. Same thing as what happened in Age of Ultron, same thing as what happened with the Chitauri. So, you've also got the whole blue light going into the sky that you gotta stop with a you know, that kind of thing tying back into the first Avengers. So I don't know. I mean, it's kind of the same thing here. Enchantress as a villain though, is just, she's not that good of a villain. And I like how her character, when she was the human was against the whole Enchantress thing and stuff. That was good. I don't think that Cara Delavine, I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't think that she was bad at all. I think that what she was given to do, she was cool. She was much better as the Enchantress than she was, as June Moon, and, um, you know, that's just kind of one of the things with the character, too. I mean, you have a movie like this, and you make your main villain Enchantress, it's going to be one of the weakest parts of the movie. So, I mean, if we look at all the things that we've just talked about here, all the hits, the ricochets, and the misses, what does this boil down to? Well, I think that this is the type of movie where, again, similar to Batman v Superman, the Ultimate Edition is going to be far superior than what we ended up getting and there's still some issues along the way I still think if maybe they would have done another draft of this and they would have thought of a different villain it would have helped out a lot more maybe if this would have been the sixth movie seventh movie in this film franchise we could have had more backstory for some of the characters and it would have been more interesting to see some of the people pop up a little bit maybe we would have had a joker ahead of time and he would have just been a side venture kind of a thing I don't know as the third movie it's rushing too much. It's trying too hard to get to a spot where we can do Justice League. And this has been a criticism of this whole DCEU from the very beginning. It's that they're trying to start at point C and they haven't done point A and point B yet. And that's what's going to happen is if you try to cram stuff in there, then you're going to have to edit it because you don't want to have a four-hour movie. And then when you edit it, it's going to lose some of it in translation and then people aren't going to like it as much. So... The positive I can say with this, the big hit, is that it looks like that they got the majority of the characters down from the comics, so it's not going to be that wild of an interpretation. And as such, I'm a little bit more trustworthy of where they're going to go in the future for certain characters, with Jeff Johns and everybody kind of being the puppet master of, no, that character wouldn't do that, no, I think that you should use this character instead, that kind of a thing. But this is now the third movie that I think has a lot of problems with it, And it seems like the biggest issue that they have with this DCEU is that they don't either trust their filmmakers or they're getting the wrong filmmakers to begin with. So I don't know if they need to reevaluate their point of view when it comes to this whole director-based film universe that we don't let the directors do anything kind of uh, approach, but whatever it is, they can't do it for Wonder Woman. If they do it for Wonder Woman, that film is going to get massacred because it's already working against a lot of the things that these movies had going for them. I mean, we had a Superman movie, a Batman versus Superman movie, and a movie with a goddamn Joker. And we couldn't get all three of those to work right. You've got a lot of misogynists. you got a lot of uh, women-hating people out there that are going to hate the idea of Wonder Woman to begin with. So that's a negative that you have to work against. You've got now three movies that are pissing a lot of people off. So you're working against the grain when it comes to that. It's real tough, and it's a period piece movie, so there's, there's a lot of things that could go wrong with Wonder Woman, but there's so many things that could go right. She's a rich character that has a huge support base from a lot of different people, and there's people like myself who really just want these movies to be so much better than what they are. Now, if I have to say, is this a hit or a miss? I have to reluctantly say it's a hit. Overall, I enjoyed Suicide Squad. I think it's kind of on par if you're looking at this compared to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's kind of like uh, Captain America the First Avenger where it's a little weak, but it's also kind of fun. Uh, Maybe kind of like Iron Man 2 in a way. Maybe a little bit Iron Man 3. It's not Iron Man. It's not Captain America Civil War. It's not, you know, uh, The Dark Knight, which is, again, not in the same universe and all that other kind of stuff. But those are better movies. This is not a great movie. It's a great DC property. So if that's what you're looking for, probably going to like Suicide Squad quite a bit. If you were looking at this as something that you were hoping could be this Oscar-worthy type of thing, ain't going to (laughs) happen. Sorry. And I don't even think that the director's cut or whatever they want to call that edition, whatever that comes out, if it does, I don't think that's going to be the case for that one either. So bottom line, weak hit, Not a bad miss in a lot of different ways either. It's just something that it could have been an 8.5 out of a 10. And it's unfortunately a 7 out of 10, maybe 6.5. It sort of depends on where you're going here. I'm going to have to see what happens when I rewatch the movie. If my opinion completely changes about that, then I'll drop some kind of a comment below or something like that a little bit later on. But I don't plan on seeing it again for a while. So for now, that's what I think about it. But I'm curious to know what you guys have to say about Suicide Squad. And I want you to tell me the positives, the negatives, the hits and the misses, anything else that you guys want to get off your minds in the comments below. And while you're doing that, you might as well hit that thumbs up button as well. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to the YouTube channel And keep checking out fanboysanonymous.com for more things coming your way. DC, Marvel, anything else that we happen to talk about. We're, of course, going to be getting all nerdy about that stuff later on. So uh, that's it for me for this episode. Thank you all for listening, everybody. I'm Tony Mango, and I'm a fanboy. Time for me to geek out. Adios.